all right, here are my lessons. Here's what I'm taking from this. Here's how I'm going to apply that. And then start like take, even if you only take one thing from the whole weekend and then take that, put that into your life and keep and like, and rock with that. That's, I think a much better use of your time than looking out for what's next or that next certification. You don't need any more certification. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording live under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And as always, we're continuing the mission of arming humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness. And today we continue that tradition with my partner and friend, Nate Palmer. Nate is a husband, father, uh, author, writer of Passport Fitness. He's a partner with me in Hardwater One and probably one of the most interesting and coolest trainers you'll ever come in contact with. Um, He's on a mission to up the wellness of entrepreneurs and professionals in his world as specifically. And so today we're going to get his story and get a little bit input from him on some things he feels passionate about, brother. So thank you so much for coming up and being on. I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. That intro made me sound super interesting. And you are super interesting, man. I mean, you, you said you've been bitten by how many animals? 11, I think at this point. 11 and animals. And counting though. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stop there. I mean, we could, have, we could do a whole podcast about being bitten 11 times, right? Yeah. Well, twice by the same crocodile. Uh, bitten by a crocodile twice. <laughs> yeah. I thought you wrestled a, a crocodile and survived. Yeah, well, yeah. you survived. I, I mean, I did bit. survive. You, but not unscathed, is no, what you're saying. I mean, he's got little sharp little teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely want to hear that, that story again. I think you to- told it before, but uh, definitely want to dive deeper into the details. But before we do, man, I'd love to get a little bit of, of your story. I know that um, you know, you've been in the fitness and wellness world for quite some time, but obviously we don't start where we are today. So... Maybe you can give us a little bit of your background and let us get to know you as an authentic individual. You know, authentic's the big buzzword in mm. the in the interwebs these days. Yeah. Thank you, so, Brene Brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so let's start with your upbringing, man. Where, uh, what was life like for young Nate? Well, when I was born, I could really only barely bench press 225, so that was pretty embarrassing. Damn, dude. So weak. <laughs> so born here in the in the valley. Trying, I'm, I'll do my best to be to be my authentic self to display some vulnerability. That's been something I'm trying and striving for, but, um, born here in Phoenix, um, grew up, I was, I'm the oldest of three. I've got two younger sisters, um, which is why I have a lot more gray hair than someone else my age might have. <laughs> um, you do look older for your age. I gotta say, I mean, I don't you. mean that in a bad way. Weathered. You're, st- you're still a hot dude, right? But <laughs> you definitely look like you've uh, been around the block a couple of times. Seen some shit. Seen some shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> growing up, I was homeschooled, so I don't know if you know that about me or not. No, but, I did not know that. Uh, I come from a pretty conservative background, but my parents were pretty conservative. And so I was homeschooled up until about sixth and a half grade when my parents split up. Um, then me and my sisters all went to public school. So they went to elementary school and I got tossed into middle school, which I don't know if you are familiar with middle schoolers at, at this point, but they're some of the worst humans on the planet. I actually have a plan for middle school. I think we should get rid of middle school altogether. And instead, like the six, seven, eight years, so like 11 to 13, we ship out all of those kids onto farms. We teach them actual skills. We get unpaid labor to build, build America up on. And then they get to take all those like wild hormones and terrible human traits and channel them into something productive, like <laughs> farming, creating some food. And then we'll bring them back in when they're like 14, 15. They've learned a little bit. They're not so like wild or rambunctious. I think this is great. They're not learning anything anyways in sixth grade. Right. So No, I think every parent who's experienced a preteen would probably vote for you if you're running for office. Yeah. I don't know what office gets to decide that, but I'll put, I'll put my hat in right we'll now. We'll make one up. Yeah. yeah. 
for sure. So I actually got put into middle school um, after, like, after the Christmas break. So I got put in the last half of sixth grade, coming from homeschool. And I'm, I like to, I'm outgoing. I like to have friends and stuff, but I wasn't necessarily like the most social person. And I definitely did not have my pulse on what was, or my fingers on the pulse of what was cool for a sixth grader in uh, 1997. So I pretty much um, have like a lot of PTSD around those years just because it was, you know, coming in, it was just, I was such an easy target. I parted my hair with a bowl cut, tucked my shirt in, wore collar collar shirts, pulled my my white socks up nice and high, you know, didn't wear the K-Swiss, didn't have frosted tips. So I feel like um, a lot of a lot of fitness professionals and stuff, I feel like, will tell you the story of how they got teased growing up, and mine is very similar to that. I think that sixth, seventh, and eighth grade were really tough for me. Um, I had a lot of a lot of like just insecurities around people, and am I doing the cool thing? And is it whatever I'm doing? Is it like is it right and socially acceptable? And I think that's where a lot of my desire to kind of become someone I viewed as like strong and kind of have an impenetrable wall of like self-defense where I didn't necessarily care what you thought of me. And I was like fine by myself and really cool and, and all these things that, you know, I probably had in my mind, but couldn't necessarily explicate as a sixth grader. Mm -hmm. So I, I can very easily identify my desire to train and exercise and work out and become more and stronger and, um, just a badder dude with those experiences in middle school and then kind of even into high school a little bit as well. So that begs the question though. So, I mean, obviously you sit across from me today, a very different man and you know, you, you present a very confident appearance, you know, very fit. Um, but how do you reconcile like changing your external appearance to like, you know, getting comfortable with your internal reality, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I think there's a lot of people who have done that, who are, really big and strong and on the outside you're like wow they look like they have it all together but are still have never dealt with that internal thing mm-hmm. so they still have that hurt inside of them and they don't feel confident and they don't feel secure even though they're the baddest dudes on the planet mm-hmm. um so i think that and i think that could have definitely been a possibility for me as well but um i credit a lot of of who i am today with a group of friends that i had in in high school um, some guys I met at church that I, I firmly believe they totally saved my life and just knowing these guys and having their influence in my life. Cause these, there was like, f- like four or five guys and they were just the coolest guys. They were so funny and so laid back and so comfortable with who they were, which is super rare as, as a high schooler, you know, and they were just like fun and funny and nice and gregarious and confident and outgoing mm. and kind. And it was it was just a very, like, is a huge dichotomy of what you normally see. And, like, I definitely think that if I had kind of gotten caught up in a different crowd and kind of continued my search for coolness. All right, man. So, yeah, so you had, you had you were talking about the four guys that you had met at church. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if it wasn't for, like, just being around these guys and just seeing how, like, confident and cool and, like, how they didn't necessarily need to be, like, quote-unquote cool or following the crowd to like attract a lot of people who were just gravitated towards them. Um, if it wasn't for them, I definitely could have fallen into definitely down the wrong path, hang out with the wrong people searching for searching for like that self-confidence and, and like 
self-love in wrong places. Well, easy. And you had said, I mean, earlier you said that you thought that they had saved your life. I mean, that's a big statement. Like, what, sure. what did you actually mean by that? No, I'm, I'm like, I'm not even being like metaphorical at all. Really? Yeah. I think that like I have a lot of tendencies that would have made me, um, pursue the wrong women. I definitely have an addictive personality. I, I could have easily seen myself getting into drugs, especially if I did that. Like if I had, like, I never drank up until like college. But if I had gotten into that in high school and, and like my friends were all doing that, there's a great chance that I could have made some like really, really bad decisions. Wow. So I don't mean that metaphorically at all. I literally think these guys saved my life. So that, that's, uh, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. But I'm curious, do these guys know the impact that they had on your life? Yeah, I actually reached out to one of them um, a while back. And I wrote him a letter and told him essentially like what his friendship to me during that time had, had meant. So. Mm. Yeah, I think they know. That's cool. What did you say to them in your letter? Um, well, in- interestingly enough, like we had kind of fallen out of touch in college. And um, I think that there were some perceptions of like just that we were different people going down different paths. We maybe assumed some different things about each other. So I just wanted to clear the air and be like, listen, man, like like I still I still have so much love for you because of these things. And like, that's never going to go away. Cause I, cause this is who you were to me. And so like, if that's like, I like that's, that's how I see you still. And if that's what you want, then I'm here for it. That's cool. What did you get a response? Yeah. Eventually we kind of, we've, uh, we've had some good conversations since then. Oh, that's fantastic, man. So you're able to reconnect. And, uh, what about the rest of the guys? You said there was like four of them. Yeah. Are you in contact with any of them still? Yeah. So my buddy Kyle, um, I lived with up until, um, December. I've actually, I lived with him in college, mm-hmm. Kyle. And, uh, then when, uh, my wife and I moved back to Phoenix, we lived with him and a roommate. Then we left that house and then he lived with Lindsay and I during, while she had a baby. Oh, really? So he lived with Lindsay, me and baby Renna for, nice. for the first four months of her life. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he's still just a great friend. He lives in San Francisco right now. And then uh, my buddy, Patrick Sansi also, we lived with him and his wife out in Seattle. So mm-hmm. they're still great friends. We're going to go see them in August. Wow. So, so uh, that's such an interesting story, man. How do you, um, you know, sort of contrast your experience coming up, like being homeschooled to then being kind of thrown into the public school system? And, you know, I mean, like, uh, I think some people have trouble adjusting. I only knew one, I think one family that did that in my high school personally, um, but they seemed fine. Um, but they didn't transition until high school. So like, was your experience just that you felt like you weren't, um, you know, sort of, you know, up to par with like the latest trends or was it like socially that you felt strange? I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of different avenues you could go down with that question. I think it would probably have been easier transitioning at high school, but that was, that was just not an option. I think that I definitely did not feel like I knew, like we were, were, I mean, like I said, we were pretty conservative, so I didn't know anything about TV or music. And that was kind of a big thing when you're in sixth grade is listening to the coolest music and Green Day and Offspring. And so I'd listen to Limp Bizkit on the bus ride home and be like, (laughs) oh man, it's one of those days. Yeah. Chainsaw. What? (laughs) Angry now. Um, but they stuff in Scottsdale, man, it's hard life, bro. <laughs> Throwing up gang signs, like you said, but I think that like academically I was way ahead. Like I had studied a lot of the things that people, that they were just now going through. So I was bored in class. Mm. Um, and then, but like socially was where I, I struggled really to like make friends, keep friends, know the right things to say. I was just kind of a weird person. I, was, I watched Monty Python, you know, as an 11 year old. So 
that's not doesn't really have a place in like normal junior high culture. So and that comedy kind of goes over goes over most people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> Even most adults, actually. Yeah. If we're being honest. Yeah. But I thought that like academically homeschooling was amazing because it's like, no, we're gonna learn this concept. And then when you get it, we learn the next concept. There's no did everyone have that? Raise your hand if you don't have any questions. And I'm like sitting in the back. I don't even know what questions to ask. I've been asleep half the, half the class. And then she's like, teacher's like, great, let's move on. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So there's none of that, you know? So it's basically right. having a private tutor, making sure you're, you're getting the lessons done when you need to get them done. So right. that was definitely a, like a, a huge bonus of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. But then again, you only learning from one person. You only have your sisters around or whatever. So there's a, I mean, a lot of pluses, a lot of minuses. Sure. So I guess now the one thing that comes to mind is now that you're a father and you do have a daughter, like what's your viewpoint on her path? You know, what should her path be? Are you planning on homeschooling or are you planning on public schooling it? Or do you have an opinion either way? Definitely, definitely public schooling. Um, up until like 11, 12, 13, then she's shipped off farm. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. No, but I want to, I would like to, it, like, I think homeschooling would have a place probably but if we were going to be traveling for an extended period of time, I'd like to, you know, if we we're going to spend a year traveling to South America again mm-hmm. or living like in a you know different country, I think it'd be great to spend some of that time homeschooling. You know, mm-hmm. I also think that like getting some education in a different country, like through a public school would be also a great experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that I, you know, I'm kind of in the air about my wife, Lindsay is a teaches seventh grade math or taught seventh grade math in a public school. So she's very passionate about public schools. So I can, you know, I can kind of see it being, being a, like an amalgamation of the things that work best for her when, when they work best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did you graduate from high school here in the Valley? Yep. From Desert Mountain. Okay. Right on. And then did you, um, were you sort of flung into that stereotypical path of, all right, well, I finished now I go to college or what did you do afterwards? Kind of. Um, my parents said they would pay for any, uh, community college that I took. And so, but like then college was going to be on me. So I did a year at SCC, which I thought was actually an amazing education. Mm-hmm. Scottsdale Community College. I've actually spent, I've actually been to Scottsdale Community College. I've been to Mesa. I've been to Chandler Gilbert and I've been to PVCC and I've been to um, Rio Salado. I've taken classes from all those places. And I think the community college system, is, uh, or at least the community college system here in Arizona is fabulous. Mm. Smaller classes. This professor seems to really care a lot more. Um I got. A, I thought I did almost a better education at those places than I were than the classes I took at University of Arizona. Did you get a lot of adults in your classes at the community college? It was definitely a. It was a definitely a lot older population. Yeah, I think that's a, the biggest difference. Uh, I actually taught at PVCC for a few years. Mm-hmm. I taught uh, graphics classes, Photoshop, Illustrator, that sort of thing. And I one of the things that I really enjoyed was the people that were there actually wanted to learn. Yeah, they weren't there to play quarters. You know what I mean? Yeah. True. And I think that's a big thing as well is that if everyone's there like putting their microphone in front of the instructor, which I saw more in community college than I saw in, in like university, mm-hmm. putting their microphones down and then reviewing their notes later, you know, so they didn't have to take notes. Like that's just like brings an atmosphere of, of like learning. And I could tell the difference in some of those like mandatory classes that a lot of people my age were taking, you know, when I, when I was going to like a math class that ha- those literally, you know, 19 year olds. We got a lot less done. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, for sure. So what were some of the things that you were really into at that point in your life? Was uh, was fitness starting to emerge? Did you start taking classes around uh, the body, anatomy, biology, that sort of thing or no? 
Um, I wasn't necessarily into the physiology of fitness, but like previous, previous to that in high school is when I started like training and doing resistance training. Mm-hmm. So high school was, was terrible. And my schedule was like Monday was chest. Tuesday was chest and arms. Wednesday was, we had to go out inside and run, which is terrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, Thursday was chest and biceps. And then um, I think Friday was biceps. <laughs> so <laughs> schedule wasn't really that that diverse and you recommend this for everyone right ideally yes (laughs) so once i started getting into um into college into like scottsdale community college i started training like every day after after class i would go to the gym work out there and i was still kind of you know doing my own thing spending a lot way too much time on the bench press not enough time on the squat rack but that's when i started to get it like maybe see a little bit of changes physically but not still i was still was training completely wrong and it wasn't until 2007 when I uncovered a, a website um, called T Nation or Testosterone Nation when I googled something like best workout program for muscle or best workout program for mass or something like that and I found this website and I was like holy shit this site has everything it's got so like it had it had started in 1997 so I went back at that point and I read 10 years worth of articles on training and fitness and olympic lifts and squatting and wow. legs and all this stuff and I was like hooked really yeah cuz my at this time like my deg- my the program I was in wasn't necessarily the program I would like would wanted to be in for my degree I wasn't able to get into the Ellerge, Eller College of Business Management for whatever reason and so I was kind of just being like fuck it I got all these tickets what can I get for these I want I want out right um, so my entire, like all my free time was started becoming devoted to reading articles, watching videos and learning more and more about resistance training, which I just fell in love with. Mm. Yeah. Then I, so I hit the gym, try out different things. I was like the only person at this, at the gym who was doing snatches and deadlifts and stuff. I was trying to lock down this, the lifting platform for like 50 minutes at a time. People would be like, can I get in? I'm like, no, <laughs> got to snatch 55 pounds right now. Sorry. <laughs> That's insane, bro. It's amazing though that you, um, you know, have access to like college, right, on some level. But your choice for real education came from a website. You know, mm-hmm. like what did you find that was the biggest difference between the two, and and what made you fall in love with reading all of those articles? Because it is a lot of information to take in at one time. I think it's just that I loved training, and I really didn't love, you know, accounting. Mm. So my I start I turned my degree, which was going to be a like a marketing degree or something through this Eller College of Business Management. Couldn't get in there, so I turned it into like a business and psychology combination degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so psychology I really liked. I loved I loved learning about how the mind worked. But the business stuff, taking like business basics and accounting and stuff like that was just just a nightmare. Just so boring. I had, no, I had no love for any of that. Supply chain management, that's a hard pass for me. Well, why did but, you even start that path though? Um, well, I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted a degree. You have to get, have a degree, right? Everyone says so. Everyone says so, yeah. Everyone says so. So when I showed up at my first training job out of college and I was like, I have a degree. They were like, who fucking cares? <laughs> They're like, do you have a training certification? Exactly. I was like, no. Th- is that like a degree? <laughs> so uh, you were ill-prepared. Is that what you're saying? Nah, I was good because they, they were like, you have to go get a degree through one of these different providers. And I was like, how long does it take? They're like, between six weeks and eight and uh, three months. And mm-hmm. I was like, so if I come back, you're telling me in two weeks with a certification, you'll hire me. No problem. And they're like, yeah, for sure. And I was like, okay, bet. Right, right. So that was the point which you just said, screw it. You know, I'm done with this whole not wanting to do this thing. I'm going to go do what I really want to do. 
No, it's still an interim job. I still wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. What oh, I really? wanted to do when I grew up. Okay. So, so who were you talking to at this point um, when you're saying, hey, you know, we'll hire you if you go get XYZ cert. This is a place called Fitness Works after I graduated college in Gilbert. Okay. Yeah. So it's still okay. around. It's my first training job out of, out of college. I worked with some like rugby athletes in college and stuff, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of like strength and conditioning stuff just on the side. But um, the this was my first one, like training general population. I thought I knew all the answers. In fact, I was so, I was, I told the manager at the time that I was really, really into hypertrophy training. Mm. Very good at it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm walking around like six, like 82 pounds, just like, and saying the word wrong. Right. Hypertrophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, so after you had that experience with them and you decided that this was a path that you wanted to go on, what was that first cert that they sent you after? I got my NASM certified personal trainer certification. Mm. Right on. Did it in two weeks, came back and was like, boom, next what? Now what? And they're like, great. Now you have to follow another trainer around for, for another week and a half. And I was like, what? Why can't I start training right now? Why don't I get these fabulous results and all this money that personal trainers make right now? Right. That's crazy, man. So you just thought you were going to just show up and things were going to just line up for you? Yeah. Because that's how it works. Uh, of course. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it seems like, uh, it seems strange to me that um, uh, your path is very different. It's interesting jumping down your path, like going from the homeschooling piece where, you know, like you said, once you picked up a concept, you had it, right? And then your education was, you were, you were further ahead of the other kids in school when you came into the public school system, right? And it almost seems like once you had this idea in your head that, man, I want to go fast, that it just sort of stuck with you and you want to go fast, I want to go fast and do this cert. I want to go fast and get this business going. I want to go fast and get these clients rolling. Yeah. That's, that is a kind of a theme in my life. Yeah. Lack of patience. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel like I heard one time and this has never really been an issue for me, but like that, like good is the enemy or perfect is the enemy of good Mm -hmm. and like just ship it essentially. Like, like no matter where you're at, stop like overthinking things and just go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that is how I'm going to live my life from now on. And I've just, ever since then, I've like, I've really been like, okay, like what, what do we need to do right now? And, and how can I accomplish it in the next three hours? Mm. And I want to go do those things. I just want to be really action oriented. I take a lot of pride in being someone who I say, I'm going to do something and I do it. Mm. So when people are like, like later in, in, in the journey, when my wife and I were like, we're going to move to South America for a year and people or six months or whatever. And people were like, yeah, 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 yeah sure. And we're like, fuck you and watch. You know, and we did it. People, I told people I was going to write a book. And I think at that point people were like, well, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe you will. <laughs> I don't have a lot of haters, unfortunately, because I feel like that would be, be some extra good fuel, but. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Is there, was there a point at which, like you said, you, you re- well, I remember hearing something about, you know, perfect being the enemy of good or whatever, or just ship it. But was there a point in your life where you really like latched onto that? Or is that something that you've just always been like, Hey, I want to get it done now having had some success with that, like, like, especially with, with, in terms of studying or reading or taking a test or like, or writing something, I think those are all things that I've had like some strengths with. And then those are always things that like people will give you a little extra time. And it kind of, it almost, it almost like makes you look extra good. If you can, if you're the person who's like, like wit, but like when would be ideal for you to have this by, and then you should give them that, that finished copy, like, the next day or Mm. two days later. And if I can flex something that's already a strength of mine and, 
and also make myself look good, which is also a priority of mine. Of course. Looking good in front of other people. Well, you and every other human. No. Yep. If we're being honest. Yep. <laughs> um, then that's like, that gave me all the, like all the reinforcement that I, that my monkey brain needed. Mm, I see. I see. Like, I feel accomplished. You think I'm cool and I'm done with something like mm-hmm. that's a dopamine rush in my life. That's cool, man. That's uh, it's, it's nice that you have that awareness. I think a lot of people would be ashamed to admit the fact that, Hey, you know what? I actually enjoy, it gives me a little tap on the ego, you know, when I actually under promise and over deliver or just plain over deliver. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that. And then also when I was so post Post fitness works, I went to work for a place called Kaplan for a little bit. That was not for me. It was terrible. I knew the first day in like the training. Was that sales at it Kaplan? Was in, it was, no, it was worse. It was like enrolling people into <laughs> a for-profit worse. university. So yes, sales, but using the government monies to trick people who shouldn't be going back to school to get their degree in criminal in criminology or criminal science because they're like, is this going to get me on CSI? And I'm like, hell yeah, I will. <laughs> So I knew, I knew going in, I was like, this is a terrible fit and I hate being inside and I'm trapped in this chair. So I was there for three months until I opened my own studio up in Scottsdale. That's where I started working with Carson for the first time. Okay. And, um, but, but while I was building that business and building up some clientele, what I started doing was writing papers for people in college as like a side job. Really? So I put, posted ads on Craigslist in like, uh, like five or six major cities in the, on the West coast that have universities saying that I would write your papers for you. So wow. I think that's when I like that. That's when I fully embraced the just ship it mentality. Right. Cause people would be like, you're not gonna make it too perfect. Right. I'm like, Nope, I'm not even going to read this. <laughs> I'm going to finish it. I'm going to email it right to you. $15 a page. Come at me. Wow. Really? So 15 bucks a page, you're writing these papers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how was business, man? crushed it really yeah it was the best because like i actually made a partnership with this one guy who i think was just doing all the papers for his biology 101 class Mm -hmm. at 20 dollars a page really so i wrote like papers on like so i was like hey Lindsay, can you write this paper on giraffes i gotta write one on manatees and and meerkats (laughs) (laughs) and then but then occasionally people would like um like occasionally i get like esl people english as a second language Mm -hmm. who just needed some help like firming up their paper, making sure their wording was right. That right. was that was cool. But then I'd get people who were like, hey, can you write this paper for me on the Uzbekistan gas crisis and its relationship with the Chinese economy? And wow. I was like, uh, You'd sure. actually have to put work in to, yeah. to understand that, yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. So that ended up being 37 pages, and I was like, no more of those, please, thank you. Wow, wow. I did, a, I did a person's basically their entire MBA program, though, wrote all their papers. Really? Mm-hmm. That's insane. See, I didn't even know this was happening. This is how disconnected I am from that, that world of quote unquote modern education. Wow, man. So 15 bucks a page, 20 bucks a page. This other kid was charging and I'm assuming you guys weren't the only kids on the block doing this sort of thing. No, there's, there's companies out there that will do it for you now. Oh really? Yeah. So wow. I'm kind of, I, I don't think you can do it my way anymore. Wow. So what does a degree even mean? I, I mean, if this is, you know, contributing to people's success in school. It's hoops. It's hoops. Can you jump through hoops? Can you cut, the, can you like dot the I's, cross the T's? Yeah. My senior year of college, they, I had changed my degree and my counselor had not mentioned to me that I needed these other, like originally I needed two, two credits of Spanish and with this, my next degree I needed four credits of Spanish. She didn't mm-hmm. tell me that until this, like the, the semester and I was like, here, I'd like to graduate this semester. And she was like, oh, actually, no, you have to do this thing, which is going to put you out to year five. And I was like, that's not how, that's not how this is going to work actually. So that's why I took all those classes at community colleges. So I took 
two Spanish classes in, like I took like a 102 and 201 online somewhere else. And then I finished 202 at U of A through their online program, through applying through this thing. And so my senior year, generally people take between 12 and 15 credits per semester. Mm-hmm. So in two semesters, I took 45 units. Wow. But just because I was like, I'm, I'm doing this now. This is, this is how I say it's going to go. And this is how it's going to go. And I think that kind of just being able to accomplish something like that just gave me a lot more confidence in my abilities to make things happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that has to be a huge confidence boost, right? When you, um, when you see a problem that seems to loom that large and then you come up with a solution for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that, that like college is just jumping through hoops because did I learn like more about Spanish in those t- time? No, definitely not. I was just getting like getting it through it. But mm-hmm. did I learn how to jump through hoops and like navigate different things and figure out how to make people talk to each other? And did I forge a transcript? Perhaps. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, that's true though. But I mean, it's it's interesting that uh, that you brought that up because in a way that is what life is about, right? It's about finding the most efficient path to the thing that you want. And if the most efficient path to the thing you want is, hey, buying a paper or, hey, memorizing this just so you can forget it tomorrow, why would you not do that thing? You know? Totally. So, I mean, coming out of that system, like, what was your ultimate opinion on the, the degree? Did you graduate, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did you get your degree in? Interdisciplinary studies with a focus on business and psychology. And you did it because you felt like you had to, so... Yeah, and I was already invested. Right. You know, you got to have a degree. You got right. to. Right. I need to use it a lot of times. Right. Actually, I did use it to get a to get a job at the Pro Sports Club in in Seattle. Mm. And that made it worth it because that was an amazing gym with like amazing trainers who really prioritize education. And I would not have the opportunity had I not had the degree. So, mm-hmm. so I have used it. I got you. I got you. But overall, like, is your opinion that people should or should not attend college? Well, if you can do it the way I did it and you can get out with, with no debt, and you can kind of pay for it as you go. Mm-hmm. I think that, great. Yeah, go ahead. You make a lot, like you learn a lot about yourself. It's a really like transformative transformational period of your life. You've, you forge bonds and relationships with people you'll have for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But, um, if you're going to go to get a, like a liberal arts degree and you're going to end up with 80 K in debt, like why? No, that's a terrible investment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems necessary. Like if you want to, you know, obviously go into the profession of like, lawyering or doctoring or something like that, right? Obviously you're going to have to jump through those hoops and Mm -hmm. get some specialized education. But if you're going into the business world, I think the best education is just doing it. Like you said, being in business and there's no one who's going to stop you from being in business. You can be in business at any time, right? However you want to. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. I think, uh, I was listening to an interview with Jerry Seinfeld one time and, uh, he made this sort of throwaway statement that I think is actually very profound. He was interviewing someone and the guy was saying something like, well, I was going to do that thing, but I didn't really know how to do it. And Seinfeld kind of responded and said, well, what do you really need to know? It's like, by the time you find out the thing that you need to know, then all you need to do is go figure out how to do that next thing. You don't really need to know anything because when the opportunity arises, you just go learn that thing. And it's like with, with the way things are right now, information is the most readily available resource. Like a hundred years ago, you, that might've been an issue, but now a simple YouTube tutorial will probably talk you through it in six minutes or less. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. like we, like right now, this problem is not knowledge. The problem is action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the education system as a whole, I think is pretty much fucked, but I think, uh, there's some interesting things on the horizons. Are you familiar with, uh, Peter Diamandis mm-hmm. and the X prize and all that fun yeah. stuff? 
Yeah, I think there's an X Prize right now for delivering a device that can basically teach um, uh, kids uh, literacy or their basic education, like grades one through like eight or nine on a device, you know? So it's like, okay, why do we have to spend all these, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on this education system where we're just putting kids through teaching them to be obedient when we can just give them this device for maybe it costs a thousand bucks, who knows, Mm -hmm. you know? And then they're off and running. I think there's a, like, rather than saying, I think it's, I think it's fucked. I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity Mm. in the education system right now. I think that we are at our core right at this point, very, very terrible androids because that we, like we all have our cell phones in our pockets at all times, this amazing supercomputer that which could literally land a, a spacecraft on the moon if we knew what to to buttons to press, (laughs) but we are so limited by our fat fucking fingers and typing and then reading things and being like, well, I don't remember that. They're like, we are basically Androids. We have access to these, all this information from our phones, but our delivery system and our, like our entry system is so slow and flawed compared to what it could be. Mm. So like, I mean, we're not there yet, but like soon we don't need a device. We'll just upload that shit. Yeah. Just have that chip and it'll just upload, put it in your brain. And then that's, then you can send kids to the farm. It'd be full on matrix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Full on matrix. We're close. We're close. Yeah, it's int- you, you really think we are? You think we're that close to, to having so. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that I think that once we get like heads up displays mm-hmm. on rather than being like having phones, once we have like contact lenses and and more like integrative tech, that's when it's stuff's going to start really exploding. Yeah, I mean the reason that I I say uh I don't know, I mean, maybe it's a little further out, maybe not. I don't know. I'm I'm not uh, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of that. I've heard different opinions. But um, going back to the education thing, when I say education is fucked, what I'm talking about is like the, um, the process, right? Like earlier in the conversation, you said, you know, when I was being homeschooled, once I got the concept, we moved on. But I, I don't think like public school is about learning the concept. I think it's about learning the details around the thing when the reality of it is, is the details are, like you said, grab your phone. You want to know, you want to know everything about a duck? you know, look up a duck and there's it. There's everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I described to you, Hey, it's got webbed feet. Hey, it's got feathers. It flies. It's got a bill. You already know the concept that I'm describing to you is a fucking duck. Mm-hmm. Right. If we want to know more than that, we can go look it up. Yep. I think you're right. I also think I'm, I'm maybe posturing a little bit as an expert here in, and if, unless we're talking about like Bulgarian split squats or the proper <laughs> way to do it, like hip hinge, I actually don't know anything about it. So all the stuff I said about the cell phone and Androids, that's all probably bullshit. <laughs> well, I appreciate you putting yourself out there. Yeah, so uh, speaking of Bulgarian split squats, man, what's the deal with Bulgarian split squats, man? You know, if it's if anything is off the Eastern Bloc, you know it's going to be good, bro. <laughs> the more Slavic, the better. Russia, Everyone knows yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, you mentioned uh, taking a job up in, up in Seattle, right? When did you head up that direction? So my wife and I had been married for about a year and we decided that um, it'd be very easy for us to settle down and just have a very comfortable life. We both had good jobs. We both had family around. It's pretty easy. So we decided to kind of do the hard thing and challenge ourselves, move somewhere without without jobs or really connections. Mm-hmm. And so we decided we would go between Denver and Seattle, ended up in Seattle and it was amazing. Stayed mm. there for almost four years. What was the deciding factor in uh, A, the move, and then B, between Denver and Seattle? Uh, Denver d- doesn't allow, didn't allow me at the time to, uh, operate a motor vehicle. So, uh, oh. it's an easy choice. <laughs> oh, do you want to tell this story? Nah. 
<laughs> I said vulnerable. I don't want to get myself. I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> awesome. But uh, why those two cities in the first place? We had friends in both of those cities. Um, our friend Patrick Santi, who I mentioned earlier, and his wife lived up in Seattle. And then um, some of our other friends, Kyle, the other one, mm-hmm. lived out in uh, lived out in Denver. So we just wanted to, you know, kind of surround ourselves with a community of people that we loved. And so we ended up actually renting a a much larger apartment than either of us could afford it separately huh. together. And we and we lived in community with Patrick and Michelle out in Seattle, which was everyone was like, "Don't do it; it's going to ruin your relationship." But it was awesome. Mm. That's very cool, man. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any fears taking that step, getting out of town, that fun stuff? I mean, for sure, a little bit. Like, like you know, moving away from all of our family and network we had built up. Personal training is not like the easiest job just to start up because you always got to start from scratch and build up again. So mm-hmm. I've done that several times and it's never like that much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay took a big step in moving out somewhere without without a job or without anything like that. Actually qu- quitting her great job and moving out and she's a someone who loves to plan and have expectations and know the steps that are going to be ha- taken so that was a that was a big move for her to be able to do that did you feel a lot of pressure at that point when uh, she walked away from that job and you're like hey babes we're moving to Seattle kind of a thing I don't think so I don't think I really felt any pressure until baby girl was born now I feel a little bit more pressure mm. yeah so uh, when you went to Seattle was this a, was this your first um, sort of buildup of a training business or had you done that prior? So I did that at, I did that at fitness works, my first gym. And I did it in the studio I had with Carson a second time. Cause there was, I decided to take gyms that were 30 miles apart because <laughs> I didn't want any carryover of anybody. Right. For whatever reason. Um, and then, so it was my third time building a business. Mm. What did you find is the, the best and most efficient way to, to build up that clientele for all those personal trainers listening out there? Yeah. You're going to want to take your shirt off. <laughs> first and foremost um no i think the biggest thing is if you're like in a corporate gym and you're trying to and you're trying to build up a clientele you got to be friendly you got to know everyone's name and you got to talk to everybody all the time and they got to see you working out too they like because everyone's always watching you mm-hmm. they know you're a trainer so they're going to watch you doing your own personal workouts are you slacking are you challenging yourself are you pushing yourself are they someone are you someone that they're going to want to train with first of all like are you doing innovative stuff are you doing like boring stuff and talking to people or do you have your hat, like headphones in, pushing yourself, challenging yourself? Second of all, like how do you train your clients? Are you watching them? Are you correcting their form? Are you not looking around? Or are you like talking with some other people over here and checking your cell phone over here and not really watching them? And you're like, oh yeah, grab the 20s or whatever. Like everyone's watching you all the time. So how you interact with, with the people is going to like make or break your success. Mm. And I think just knowing everyone who comes into the gym, standing by the front desk and checking people in when they're when you're not... When you're not working, shaking hands, getting names, remembering names, I think that's massive in terms of your success because then people are going to feel comfortable coming up to you and asking you for questions, asking questions and stuff. So it sounds like it's just one big effort in building rapport, you yeah. know, and then the business stems from that. Becoming the, becoming the go-to guy that people have, if they have questions, they're going to go to you because they think you're friendly and you're an expert. Mm. So it wasn't like hardcore internet sales you know, like pounding the pavement, you know, chasing people down. It was just like little things done consistently over time. Yeah. It was much easier than building an internet business. <laughs> Speaking of which, how's that going? So good. So good. So good. <laughs> it's, it's going, um, internet, internet stuff is challenging to find ways to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but similar thing, you know, if you put out a good enough product consistently over time, you know, the success will come. And I'm speaking not from experience, but from, <laughs> from what everyone else tells me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you recently had an opportunity to, uh, jump into a seminar, I think with, uh, Brenda Burchard. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? I think, uh, you came away with some pretty good nuggets. What was that experience like going in? It was great. It was long, you know, it was four days of, of like just jam packed with content and he does it all himself too. He, like he had a couple, like one or two guest speakers, but other than that, he's on stage from like 9am to 7pm talking and dancing and jumping. He said he burns close to like 8,000 calories a day. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. So he was just, he was just wild. He, I mean, and then the amount of notes I took, I showed you earlier, but it was like 40 something pages front and back of notes from him talking. So it was just crazy to go back and, and look through this stuff and and like see the gamut of the stuff that he talked about in terms of everything from psychology to physiology to these success principles and performance and, and everything else. Mm -hmm. So um, he's he's known, um, you know, in the success circles as being like the performance guy, right? Like helping you up your performance. Mm -hmm. um, what what percentage would you say of the seminar was devoted to that versus some personal development stuff? Or do you see any delineation there at all? That's a good, that's a really good question. Uh, one thing that he said over and over and over again, which was awesome. And I think that like is very, very pertinent to most of us is that common sense is not always common practice. Mm -hmm. He said that probably, uh, I'm estimating 1 million times, but it's, he's talked a lot about like, he called this the one nine ladder of, of vibrancy. And the first was taking like one break every hour, every 52 minutes was the high performance standard based on this study he, like he had conducted two to four meals per day, four to five, four liters of water per day, five to six workouts per week, six to seven meditations per week, seven to nine hours of sleep per day. So mm. all these things are what I would consider common sense to, if you could do all these things that would make the most sense for your life, but who is knocking out all these things consistently Right. You know, who's getting seven to nine hours of sleep? Who's hitting their workouts? I struggle with the meditation portion. I'm not doing mm -hmm. that as well as I could be. But until we do that, like then what's the point of taking a fat burner pill or, you know, all these other things that are like, that are made for like supplementa supplementation or supplemental like ways of getting energy. And like if you're sleeping four hours a night, sorry, you're kind of just not going to be doing as good until you can fix that big problem. Mm. If you're not drinking any water, if you're only drinking like coffee and soda, it doesn't really matter if you're eating organic food. Right. Sorry. Figure that out first. You mm. know? So I, th I think that a lot of times those two things are really, really blended in, in terms of like high performance and per and like personal development, self-development. And I think the foundation, the cornerstone of those is physiological vibrancy, health, nutrition, and training. I think those come first. Right. So how do you think that message went across? Like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people want to put the cart before the horse, right? I mean, I know for me, a lot of times I'll sacrifice my physical well-being to create a result. And then in the end, like I'll see, okay, well, I created that result, but also I hurt myself going into the following week because maybe I didn't get enough sleep or maybe I didn't eat right. So, um, you know, you're in the room with a lot of high performers. Um, were they sort of vibing with that or, or were people admittedly having problems investing in themselves first. Well, I mean, I don't think you see that in the room. The room is so hype. You know, he comes out and he's dancing and everyone's dancing and jumping. 
and everyone like he says something and everyone claps everyone's everyone's bought in right in sure. the moment but like we've talked about before success doesn't come from momentary like hype it comes from ruthless execution of the basics and consistency over time you know so that's why if you want to build a better body you need to be consistent over time you want to build a bigger business you need to be consistent over time like so i don't like in the room it doesn't matter what they said or did or or thought what matters is okay now it's been four months th three months whatever it's um, now what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I've talked to several people who have been or who are high performance coaches who have been to six or seven different seminars and are still not eating correctly, not doing their workouts, not drinking enough water. Mm. Why? Yeah. So what do you say to that person? You just kind of, you got to ask them what their values are. You got to ask them where, like, cause nothing, if, if, if like, to be totally honest, if Brennan says something and then I say the same thing, why would someone listen to me over Brendan? You know, and if they're not listening to him, what difference am I going to make until that person can harness their own like need for success or get to figure out their why, why they're even why they would even bother with some of the stuff? It doesn't matter all the wise, cool shit I have to say. Yeah, but I mean, I think when you have relationship with someone though, it's it it's more important than celebrity. You know, like if if you and if I heard something from Brendan, but then I heard it from someone that I was close with, that I had rapport with, that I knew factually whose results were, I think I would take that seriously as well. Hmm, that's fair. Yeah. So I guess in that case, like the main thing I would do is I wouldn't necessarily tell them anything because they have all the information, they have these notes, but just continue to, to dive deep and ask them what they want. They're not doing how it. How they're planning on getting it. Yeah. I think one of my biggest pet peeves with sort of the development world is the fact that a lot of people camp out there. Um, my first experience with uh, seminar work started in 08 and I saw people go into the seminar series with me and I completed mine in 09 but then I saw people just going back and camping out at the same seminars and I'm like and they're like hey come do this program with me hey come do this other program with me hey come do this another program with me and I'm like dude I'm doing that program or I'm doing my best to do that program in my daily life like, uh, you know, you, you might want to stop camping out there in the seminar room where everything's easy and come out into the real world and like ply your trade and see how it feels to get slapped in the face and fail. And, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It does seem like there's like, there's a tendency to think that, and I've always chalked it up to people thinking that they didn't necessarily have all the tools. They weren't good enough. Mm. They're like, oh, what, but at this next certification, that will really get me to what blank, mm. but it's not that at all. It's all about how can you execute on those things? Like, you know, I feel like that's, you know, if you go to one seminar and then you go to the next seminar and then you get the next certification, you get the next certification. When, when are you going to say, okay, I'm good. I'm full. I am enough. And start to put your stuff together, build your own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, it's easy to camp out in a room full of positive people who are all high-fiving, right? <laughs> you know, but it's harder to, to like suit up and be like, all right head down on my own work now. Now I build, you know, hundred percent. Cause I think that like, you know, if you go through to Brendan's conference and you're like, wow, that was great. Can't wait for another one of those. You didn't quite do it right. It's, it's almost like you got to come out of that and go, all right, here are my lessons. Here's what I'm taking from this. Here's how I'm going to apply that. And then start like take, even if you only take one thing from the whole weekend and then take that, put that into your life, and keep and like and rock with that. Mm -hmm. That's I think a much better use of your time than looking out for what's next or that next certification. You don't need any more certifications. Right. It's almost like sometimes people are looking for permission. 
you know, mm-hmm. well, if I go to this next seminar, I'll, you know, I'll be able to give myself permission or somebody will clap for me and that'll give me permission to keep going. And Hey, guess what? When you're all alone in that dark room and you're writing your next post or your next article or your next book or whatever, no one's going to be standing over your shoulder clapping saying, Hey, good job, Nate. Keep going, Nate. Yeah. That's why you have to have an inflated sense of self-worth <laughs> like me. <laughs> pat myself on the back that's it no there's truth to that though like you do have to be able to pat yourself on the back and see like i I don't know it it seems like you have to have an ability to fall in love with the process but also the ability to have faith in what you're creating yeah i totally think that's true i think that like that's that's what's going to help you get into those times where you can accomplish the deep work like mm-hmm. the things that the things that make an impact the things that move the the whatever you're trying to do forward. Mm-hmm. I also think that that like a lot of the things that the, the conferences and certifications can't do for you is tell you your why. What are you looking for? What do you want to do? Mm. Like are you trying to like what are you building? And then kind of like what you were talking about with Jerry Seinfeld, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where my mind always goes is like, okay, that's cool. What what now? What happens now? And you're like, well, it's just a cool idea. You're like, well, that's doesn't that's that's not even worth talking about. Yeah. Can you give me an example from the real world? Like, I'm just, I feel like I see a lot of people who are like, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this program. I'm going to build this app. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you going to, so how are you going to, how are you going to build an app? They're like, well, I have to go like to, I should probably get to another thing. And like, no, no, just like, you just got to go find someone who knows how to do the <laughs> app and talk to them. That's the next step. You got to talk to someone about this. Right. And so I think people just get so tied up with, information and then like at the end of the day did you want to build that app or are you trying to build a community which is probably better served face to face or in a facebook group or whatever else like is that even what you want to do because you get a month into the process it's kind of grinding and then all of a sudden you're like well i don't know anymore Mm. you know so first of all figuring out what do you want Mm -hmm. because and a conference can't tell you what you want a certification will never tell you what you want Mm -hmm. so you get clear on what you want and then you get clear on your next step and then do that thing Mm. And then repeat. That's the, I think that's the, the, the only thing is these is the clarity and then the action step. And I killed the action step. My clarity needs work though, for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, I can relate to that on, on a lot of different levels. I, I was listening to what you were saying about the why though, right? Like in, in why you want to create something and creating some sort of deep meaning around the thing that you're doing. Do you have trouble with that step as well? Or is that something that comes easy for you? No, I have trouble with that. I have trouble with the sitting down and really thinking through things. So mm-hmm. for example, I have a product called Bot in a Box. It was a great idea that I didn't think through at all. Because I, I was like, you know what people want is a home gym they can take on the road and travel anywhere with. I'm going to sell it as a subscription. It'll be perfect. But I didn't ask anyone. And I didn't think for two seconds about what the people would actually want because someone who's going to be traveling for work is probably who needs a fitness thing already has a fitness practice at home. They probably don't need a subscription. They need a product, mm-hmm. you know? So I just didn't think all the way through with these things. So I spent a ton of time doing the work, taking the action, doing the next steps, never having done the, like the real base, base laying like a um, foundational work first. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an area that I constantly, need uh improvement in and also i need accountability with people who are better at that with, than me for sure that uh, i was listening to a podcast on the drive home from california yesterday and um i forget the gentleman's name i'm gonna have to put it in the show notes but he was talking about the um uh, what really happens when you choose into something 
you know, like let's say you want to create bot in a box or you want to create a fitness business or you want to create Hardwater One or whatever the thing is that you want to create, um, what you're actually choosing into is the work. You're not choosing into the result, but at people falling in with people fall in love with the result and then the work strikes and they didn't consider the work at all. Mm. Right? It's like, okay, what set of problems? Really, the question is what set of problems are you choosing into? Yeah. Well, the fitness business 100%. has a different set of problems than a podcast or, you know, whatever else, you know, writing, whatever the thing may what set of problems, what flavor of shit sandwich, to use his words, <laughs> are you wanting do you want to chew on kind of a thing? So I think that like that exact that's exactly it. You got it like and I don't know if you meant it in this way, but like business is all about solving a problem. So with the most recent thing that I've been doing, I just kind of I kind of fell into it as a as a way of solving a problem that a lot of people had been telling me about. So I had some clients, they were entrepreneurs, they were like, Hey, I need a meal plan. It'd be great to lose fat, but like my my goal is not to like drop weight or have a diet or anything like that. My goal is literally just to have more energy. They're like, mm. I'm, I'm struggling at work. I'm, I'm crushing Red Bulls in the afternoon. It's not working. Like I, when I get home, I'm dead tired. So they're like, I need to have a program. I need to have a program that I can do easily when I'm driving around all the time. I need to have something that's going to keep me from having energy drinks in the afternoon. I need to have something where I'm not eating or I'm not making two meals at night to have with my family. They're having this and I'm having like barley and, and oats or greens or whatever else. Like I want to be able to eat with my family at night and I want to be able to do this like easily consistently whether I'm on the road at my grandma's house or, you know, at, at home at a fancy restaurant. I need to be able to do it anywhere without meal prepping. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me come up with something. So I came up with a program for these, these couple guys um, that I, like I just get basically was like, try this out. Here are, the st- here are the steps. Here's what you do for breakfast. Here's what you do for lunch. Here's what you do for dinner. And it was insane, actually. The results that they started getting the energy, like everything that, that I wanted to happen in terms of the energy and the performance happened because all I did was give them a plan that was geared toward mental performance rather than fat loss. So mm-hmm. everything they ate was geared toward how can I make you sharper, better, more clarity, more focus. But they also in six weeks lost almost 20 pounds. So I think the average like of the couple guys was like 17.6 pounds or something like that, which is pretty substantial weight loss at the same time. And I did not expect that at all. So... Then I started, the more people I started talking to, more real estate agents, more entrepreneurs, they all started saying like, yes, I don't have the energy that I need to do the, the tasks that I want to do, especially like the, the stuff that happens around 2.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So you have your, you have your lunch and then you're sluggish. So like the, the work that I chose into was how do I solve this problem of energy for these people? And now I'm seeing that like, well, this is a, this is a epidemic. This is a massive problem and people are, the people are businesses, like not only are their family suffering, their energy suffering, their body suffering, but you're, they're financially suffering too because they're not getting as much work done as they need to, especially not at clear headed, focused work. So that's my most recent thing that I've chosen in like the, <laughs> the flavor of shit sandwich. Yeah, like said. yeah exactly. <laughs> that I've chosen into because it's, it's a real problem with people who have, who are not doing it right. And I feel like I have a great solution for them. So I'm like, okay, let's go. How do I get more people this solution? Well, this, this is actually uh, piggybacks that idea perfectly, right? So the flavor of shit sandwich is, okay, um, you're creating this product or you've created this product and you've, you've helped folks get results. And on the back end, you're doing all this work to create the product, uh, to create the product or the service or whatever the case may be, right? But you chose into this work to create the thing that they want and you sounds like you really enjoyed the work. 
I love the work. Right? So if, you chose the shit sandwich that tastes good to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Any chance I get to like have this like a real like clear idea of who I'm serving, how I'm serving them. And like, and it's, and I believe wholeheartedly in the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of work. You know, even if that's like, um, when we, my wife and I traveled to South America and we were cutting down trees with a chainsaw and dig and turning them into fence posts, very clear expectations going to result in a fence for pigs. I get it. That's perfect. I love it. Let, let's go. Anytime I chance I have that, I, well, like the, the thing I said I was not good at, the clarity, anytime I get that real good clarity, I love like the next, the resulting work from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know uh, one of the things that you spoke to me about earlier, and I think you have a lot of clarity around is this idea around food and its purpose. And I think that ties into the story that you just told around helping these guys create energy. So I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit more of the high level of how you view food and what its purpose could or should be for certain people. Yeah. So I love talking about this because I think it's a, such a paradigm shift from our current like keto culture and whole 30. And how do I, how do I do fat loss? And what are the, what are the clean foods for fat loss and all like all these things. But if you can change your paradigm around food to being like, um, and this is something Brendan said too, is how I feel now is because of what I ate four hours ago. This brain fog that I'm dealing with, this is from dinner last night. This is not, this is from the wine I drank. This is not from something today or the weather or allergies. This is because I literally like abused my body yesterday. Right. This is like, I'm having this acid reflux because of all those hot dogs I had over the last seven (laughs) years, you know, whatever that is. So if you start turning food into more of like, what is this doing for me currently? What do I, what happens when I eat this food to my body? So if you kind of have a base level cellular knowledge of what happens with the macronutrients, that's carbs, fats, and proteins, and what those are good for, then you can start making choices because if you start actually knowing what food is what, and I like to categorize, I like to simplify things and being like chicken breast equals protein, peanut butter equals fat, you know, and categorizing things along those lines, you know, oversimplifying a little bit, but you don't need to, you don't need to be, have a, like a PhD in nutrition to get really good results in terms of your energy levels and your your weight and your figure, your figure. So if you can start thinking about like, okay, when I eat a Chipotle burrito for lunch and I get that nice, delicious, soft tortilla and I get some white rice or let's go brown rice, you know, because we're clean eating. (laughs) (laughs) Then we eat some black beans on there, some chicken, put some sour cream on it, some cheese. And then, oh boy, 2.30 rolls around and I'm tired again. So you need to either need to re-up your espresso or like phone it in the rest of the day, which is by and large what most of us do, you know, well, I did some good work. I'll just take care of that report tomorrow. You know, if you can take that, like take take that mentality and flip that around rather than so rather than being like, oh, I'm going to eat a Chipotle burrito because that's what I want for lunch. You, you say, I have a lot of work to do this afternoon. I've got some really like some, some big goals that I need to accomplish. And a lot of that's going to include getting on the phone with this client, finishing out this report, getting into the wherever, whatever else. So I need to eat in a, in a way that's going to facilitate and fuel those activities. So then a better option is going to be a big salad, lots of green vegetables, high protein, a little bit of fat. That's going to give you all the nutrients you need without weighing you down, giving you the energy you need to have the mental focus for those activities. Mm. So then, you know, that's just like a high level of like what your afternoon meal should be. 
morning and night I have a little bit separate because morning is going to be really focused on how can we stabilize your blood sugar for all day, give you satiated until lunch, make sure you have a little bit of like a little bit of really good energy and focus so you get the most high quality work done in the morning. And then nighttime is going to be a little bit more focused on let's get some carbs into you. Let's prime your glycogen stores for later on, like for tomorrow, for your workouts. And then let's also give you that, that kind of that rest and digest symptom that you were dealing with at lunch. Now let's put it in a strategic way at dinner. So you get some carbs, you can eat with your family and you get a little bit more tired. You can fall asleep easier. You sleep better, deeper, harder because of all the blood flow going back to your core to help you digest the food. So let's work with your body's natural processes, your natural hormones and the way you feel on a daily basis to make sure that you get the most out of your food. So rather than thinking about like, what do I want to eat? How, what do I need to eat because of my why? Mm, I love that, man. So it's just about your purpose. What's your purpose going to be this afternoon? Yeah. Do whatever need you need to do to support that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. So how does supplementation factor into that? Because, you know, now this whole big, there's, there's an industry, a whole industry developing around, you know, like this supplement for brain fog and this supplement for the way that you feel in the afternoons and you know, that sort of thing, like taking herbs and this sort of thing. Like, does that factor in at all? Or is it just secondary to like eating properly and purposefully? Well, I think it, I think it is secondary. It's why they're called supplements, not mandatories, right? You can have everything you want on just a whole food diet. Mm. That being said, I personally choose to have protein every morning because I don't get enough from just eating food. I don't prefer to eat in the morning. So the, like the way I react best, have my best energy is with a shake that I can add in different things to depending on what I need. So yes, supplements are secondary, but I think that once you start eating for performance, then it becomes a lot more, um, you can start pulling different supplements that you, that are going to aid in your specific performance that you need at the time. So for example, I take creatine in my shakes. I'll take two and a half grams twice a day because my performance in the gym has dictated that I'll like I'll get better results if I take this creatine because of the addition to my adenosine triphosphate that builds up from the creatine. So like I've just made that choice based on performance factors rather than on diet factors or weight loss factors or this or like trying to eliminate my belly fat and slim down. <laughs> yeah, the reason I asked the question is it's in in our pill-based culture it seems like people want to skip doing the work of just eating properly and go straight to a bottle of something, right? And uh, the point I wanted to make and I think you made it effectively is just simply that that's the wrong way to go about it, right? It it is called a supplement for a reason and you do need to have a good base diet in place in order for it to be effective in the first place. And I think that it's even more effective if you've already done those those basics. Common sense is not always common practice, right? Mm-hmm. So if you do the common sense stuff first, then your supplement's going to hit harder, be more effective, give you more bang for your buck, and you're going to like you're gonna actually be able to feel them more than if you're on four hours of sleep eating 2,000 calories of processed garbage. Right, 100%. Yeah, so I know one of the other things that um, you've been extremely vocal and passionate about is this idea of becoming more. And I know you've been working on yourself a lot. Obviously, attending seminars is one way of expansion and, and exposure to new ideas and, and new ways of thinking. So what does that concept mean to you? What do you mean by becoming more? What is that all about to you? I think that it kind of came from what I've seen a lot in the industry on magazine covers and everything else is the, is the idea is that the, the ideal is to become less, to shrink your waist, to tone and tighten, to lose your baby weight to, you know, all these things have, have 
decreasing language around it. And this is especially geared towards women. Women are especially guilty of wanting less and wanting to be less and and these things. But I think that it's just kind of, of an idea that rather than eating to diet, eating to lose, what if we eat for more energy? Mm-hmm. You get the weight loss too, and you get the paradigm shift so you can keep all the results that you get rather than over here on this side where you're dieting and then 95% of people will regain the weight. What about rather than running to do cardio and to, to burn calories, what if we try to train to get you up to five pull-ups? That's going to build some more muscle. It's going to signal to your body to drop, drop fat, in, increase functional tissue, your muscle mass, which is going to increase your metabolism over time. It's going to make you more badass. It's going to make you like a stronger person. It's going to protect your joints and your shoulders and your back. So wh- everything about becoming more is going to deliver the same results as becoming less plus mm. you get stronger, you get fitter, you get more muscle, you get better metabolism. You get to know yourself better. And then you stop putting yourself in this box of like, well, I have to, I have to conform to society's beauty ideals because you start to see what you're capable of. And I think Socrates has a quote of something like, it's a shame to, to, for someone to grow old without seeing like their, the physical capacity that they have or what they're capable of. And I think, I think that's totally true is like, once you start, and this is becoming coming from kind of full circle with my story of feeling inadequate in my own skin, feeling like I wasn't good enough, being 155 pounds and 6'4", graduating from high school, feelings like always skinny, you know, people saying things about being skinny or having skinny arms or whatever else. Um, and that kind of leaving an impact on me until I started training to become stronger, to become like bigger, to become more. And just feeling the confidence that I got from that, feeling the energy boost, feeling like how much of a difference it made for me personally and wanting to deliver that same thing to other people. Mm. So when you're working with your clients, is this a concept that they grasp or is this something that you kind of have to inch them along and, and convince them to buy into? It takes a while because I think that like it's my voice versus the thousands of articles they've read and magazines they've looked at and, and reality TV stars that they've seen quotes from. So I think it takes a while, but I think that once you get a win... Once you start seeing, you're like, oh man, my arms, my arms are looking better and my waist is looking smaller. Like that's interesting. And I've only been training like resistance training and I haven't been doing any cardio. Oh, I haven't like been, you know, trying to cut calories in the evening or I still get to eat like some chocolate at night and I'm still seeing the weight loss on the scale. You'll start being like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And I think it's, I think it's a, a gradual process. Beautiful, beautiful. So um, at this point in your career, what does success look like for you? It's a great question. I, th- I think that success right now for me um, is very, very dependent on the success of my clients and the success of the people that I work with. I want to make sure that, that everything I'm doing that I'm putting out is helping people take that step, helping people become more, helping people get out of their own heads about nutrition and fitness and how they look by giving them the tools to succeed on a daily basis no matter where they're at. I think that beyond that, there's, a, there's definitely a measure of um, my ability to personally work from anywhere would be another measure of success. Getting to the point where I could, you know, work from, you know, a different state or a different country. I think that would measure success. And I also think that, you know, monetarily, there's always a, something associated with 
with success there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before I ask my last question, tell these guys where they can connect with you and maybe uh, take advantage of some of your services. I'm on the Facebooks, pretty, pretty hardcore on the Facebooks. Um, you can check me out, uh, facebook.com slash N8 Palmer. You can see me on my website, N8 training systems.com. It's a really clever name because I spend all my time explaining it's an actual eight. It's not ATE. So <laughs> it's really great. Good job. You, you out cleverage yourself. Go always. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, Instagram at N8 training, or if you go to N8 training systems slash free, you can actually grab one of my guides to eating, eating, a, like a healthy lunch, no matter where you're at. It's called fit fast food. So you can grab that for free. Just a quick download. Beautiful. We'll, de- we'll, we'll definitely link that up in the show notes. So my last question is always the same. And that is simply this, what does wellness mean to you? Kind of a, kind of like, like we've discussed in, in hard water, there's, it's like a, there's a three pronged approach to it. Mm-hmm. You got to have the physical side. Obviously, I think that for me is the cornerstone for the other ones to build upon. You got to have the mental side. How your, how's your self-talk? How is, how is everything going on inside your head? And then there's the spiritual side. Like, are you able to be present in the moment? Are you thinking about the past and the future where you're at in your relationship with the creator or, you know, like, where are you like in these inter- interpersonal relationships? And if when, when those are all in harmony and when you feel like nothing is out of balance there, I think that's going to be a total approach to wellness as, as I see it. But I think there's a lot of different facets there. Mm, beautiful, man. I appreciate that. Couldn't agree more. So I want to thank you so much for being with me today and, and sharing your knowledge, bro. I can't wait to dive deeper into your story. I know we have a hard out, so I have to let you go today, but um, we'll definitely have you back on, man. So you guys listen up, definitely pick up Nate's uh, information, check him out online. Be sure and pick up his book, which we haven't mentioned yet, but I'll definitely link in the show notes. It's called Passport to Fitness. Passport Fitness. Passport Fitness. Passport to Fitness is a bullshit book. Oh. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I I don't know who wrote it. Passport Fitness. (laughs) And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.